I'm getting a little old, so this analogy will not strike some of you as being appropriate, but if telephones and people don't quite work, then you can use smartphones and pings instead. But I was recalling the other day, uh, as yet another of these slightly annoying episodes occurred, how often it was when I was a junior lawyer in my firm and I would go in to see a partner. I'd had to screw up my courage to do this. It was something that I needed to talk about. And you would walk in into the presence. You would walk in, you'd start talking, you'd begin to get to the beginning of your argument, and the phone would go. And he, it was generally a he, he would pick the phone up and start talking. Sometimes he'd put it down, you'd carry on, the phone would go, he'd pick it up again. You'd think, I am standing here, right in front of you, and yet you pick up that phone each time. Now, just to be very clear, none of us is without guilt uh, in this. But it is a phenomenon, isn't it? That you can have somebody or something right in front of you, and the phone goes, pings, something passes outside the window, whatever, and you're off with it. And I wonder, how often does that happen with our religious life? Again, speaking personally, quite often. I know that I have to do something. I know that I have to read something. I know that I have to spend some time doing something. And then something else happens. And I get distracted. Why, why do we do this? I think there are a couple of reasons. The first is we're easily distracted. The second is, quite often, it is easier to deal with somebody or something at a distance than it is with somebody or something which is right in front of you. Particularly if that someone or something in front of you is difficult, hard, intractable, embarrassing perhaps. It's easier to pick up the phone. It's easier to take something which could be a discreet project with a nice tidy end than it is that person in front of you, those problems in front of you with which you have to deal. It's easier to push those off. And that is as true, I believe, in our religious life as it is in our work life, our personal life, wherever else this may occur. What today's readings speak to is that, in a sense. It is this difficult task that we have in front of us which is about the healing of God's creation. The prophet speaks about it. He says, The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The prophet is talking about both people and creation. But the prophet is talking concretely, and metaphorically. The story of the people of Israel, this is written, we think, by first Isaiah around 700 BC. The prophet is drawing on the tradition of the people being in the wilderness and of God's goodness making that wilderness into a promised land. But he's also talking about people who are imperfect and whether that's physically or relationally or whatever it is, again about that being made perfect. But it takes time, and it takes hard work. There is a 700-year gap between Isaiah making this prophecy 
and Jesus in the gospel story coming to fulfill it. The second story in the gospel, the two healing stories, the second is the one which fulfills Isaiah in the sense that it talks about somebody who is deaf and who has speech impediments and whose ears are opened, whose tongue is loosed, who is healed in that sense. But the first story is also about that, but in a slightly different way. The story of the Syrophoenician woman is a difficult story. I preached about this last year. I'm not going to deconstruct it in the same way as I did. But the point that I want to make here for these purposes is that in a sense, this is where Jesus is on the telephone and has to be shaken out of it. So he comes into Tyre. He's already had this argument that we heard about last week with all the fussy Pharisees about, you know, which rules should we follow, which should we not follow. He comes here for a rest. He comes here for spiritual refreshment. And yet, this woman, who is a Gentile, who is not from the people of Israel, presents himself, herself to him and says, I need help. And he effectively says, hey, I'm on the phone. I am here to heal the people of Israel. I am here for the chosen people. You're not it. And she says, I'm here. I'm standing right in front of you. And even if I'm not worth much, I'm worth something. And he puts the phone down. And he says, you're right. You are. Your daughter is healed. That's a message to us. But this is a sort of past, present, and future thing. Because in the gospel story, Jesus fulfills Isaiah's prophecy. But yet, as we know, it has not been fulfilled yet to this day. Another place where Isaiah comes into play in Luke's gospel is when Jesus returns to the synagogue in Nazareth for the first time and he reads from the, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah and it's this famous passage where he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Same as Isaiah. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and yet it has not. And as Christians, we have struggled with this for the past 2,000 years. What does it mean in such an imperfect world that this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing? And I think what it means is the kingdom has begun, but now you have to carry it forward. This is now your job to help me, through time, fulfill this healing. Fulfill this healing of people and fulfill, fulfill this healing of God's creation, of the world, of things in front of us. But also what these stories tell us is that this is about individuals. This is about the people in front of Jesus. And by extension, it is about the people in front of us. And we do not need to look too far to see who it is who needs our help. Who it is who is in need of that healing. Which things are in need of that healing. 
It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be distracted by stories of things far away. It's easy to be distracted by things which look discreet. And yet, the Syrophoenician woman and the man who is deaf with a speech impediment, they are right here in this city. They are right here, particularly in Ward 7 and 8, but elsewhere. And the desert of which Isaiah writes is here in our city in need of healing. And this has been true for a very long time. It is difficult. It is intractable. It is easy for us to be distracted. And yet this is what we are called to do. Think how wonderful it would be if we could take this mission to those around us, to this community of which we are a part, not very far, not too easily distracted, and really pay attention to the people in front of us, not to the phone which is ringing. How great it would be if, as the prophet says, we could help those waters break forth in the wilderness, the streams in the desert, that burning sand become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. How if we could help those who have been for so long disadvantaged, oppressed, ignored, as we are once again distracted? That would be the fulfillment of the prophecy. And that would be the fulfillment of what Jesus asks of us, to pay attention to pay really deep attention, to build those relationships with the people and the things which are right in front of us, and not to be distracted by the phone call. Amen.